Happy 2021. Yeah, happy new year to you too. How are you today? Doing good. Uh, The family stayed up till midnight playing Monopoly, which was fun. Uh, Uh And uh, I got up around seven, which is a little late for me. And Uh we're all sort of still waking up and getting ready. But so far, it's a bright, sunny day, and we are enjoying the last few days of vacation before uh, life resumes next week. Uh-huh. How about you? Um, since that uh, uh, first discovery study that we did in the Great Recess, I was uh, mm-hmm. uh, by scripture. Yeah, during that session, I felt very um, stirred, or uh, I felt like you spoke to me about uh, really more much more strongly prioritizing listening to him hearing him and uh letting that guide me um i had already uh, worked quite actively to reduce my overextendedness and let things fall away uh even though that's fairly difficult for me and my inclination is just to try and squeeze in every good thing i can see to do to advance god's kingdom Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, anyway, so I, today I, you know, like most days, I got out early for a walk and I've been walking. I was, um, uh, some, for some time I've been walk, prayer walking the local neighborhood. We live in the county or in the, yeah, in the county, uh, fair distance from most other housing, but there's 250 houses in this development. So it makes a mm-hmm. nice, neat uh, area to walk and pray for. And, and this is a very long answer to your short, polite question. But, um, <laughs> the, uh, I've made a shift from walking through the neighborhood, praying for what I believe God wants to do or trying to, uh, you know, from general principle of scripture, praying for blessing and the move of the spirit and things that come to my mind. I've shifted from that to just walking and being in Jesus's presence and trying to listen. And mm. if that rises into praying for something, then that's fine. But um, we also have uh, family dynamics at home that I've been praying for. And I ended up today was the first time I felt either prompted or inclined to use that time to listen to some of the recordings related to the Great Reset because uh, ah. I, they backed up quickly. So uh, <laughs> this morning I listened, I, I listened I, to... I think you yeah, and Bill are the only ones one, fortitude to try and go through those. Yeah. Anyway, I listened to the one uh, with David this morning and enjoyed and valued, appreciated that. And I'm most of the way through the one with Janet. I'm looking forward to the one with Steve. And mm-hmm. um, I uh, felt like there was a lot of, there, ha- there for me, I believe there's a lot of value in uh, the, just reflecting less passion, less in a more detached way on these things than the typical interactions I have with my wife, which of course I'm very emotionally involved in. And uh, yeah. And yeah. to, uh, 
last night and then two days earlier, I've had experiences with her where I felt like I was trying to do what she's been asking me to do. And the negative, the feedback is very, is so negative that I feel disheartened. Like uh, I imagine mm. David and your interaction, you know, from a couple of weeks ago. So that's a, uh, that's a, uh, gives you some context for uh, where I am. And I, while I was out walking and listening and praying, I felt, uh, again, the concern that I I didn't understand the hurt you felt, and so I just wanted to uh, make sure it was resolved because I value our friendship. And I also um, post uh, texted Steve just to apologize—not really to apologize, but to express my concern that he could read my delay in discussing discipleship with him as disinterest, and to assure him that I am still interested, but. I am. I'm finding a more urgency about these relational dynamics that the group is going through. And since I'm rambling, or not maybe rambling exactly, but uh, monopolizing the conversation, <laughs> let me just add this thought from the four-hour conversation with David yesterday morning. That um, I uh, he uh, he's we we spent a long time discussing my objection to his character characterization that everyone in the group feels like the group is failing and him mm. trying to convince me that that's the right label for how I feel about the group and me mm. uh, feeling unsuccessful anyway and trying to persuade him that I consider the shift the relational, you know, focusing on relational dynamics, unexpected, but I consider it, I perceive it as um, um, a wonderful um, step for me in growth in understanding that discipleship involves more than the dynamics and the, the surrounding scripture that if we neglect the relational dynamics, uh, they will sabotage the process and that part of the application of scripture is the healthy emotional processing. And the second DBS we did, which Eric led, uh, no, I guess it was the first one, Eric, Eric's observation that uh, Jesus spoke, because Jesus loved Peter, he spoke the hard thing. And the, mm -hmm. the willingness to speak the hard thing seems to undergird. So to me, this relational stuff is a practical outworking of that discovery study. And uh, I, it's also relating to me very personally, giving me uh, a, a context for thinking through some of the relational difficulties at home. All right, so that's all I'm doing. <laughs> hey, good, anyway. That was good because that was one of my questions, not my first one, but it was that, like, what are you looking for and or getting out of the group? Because I know originally the issue was DBS and your personal practice has been focused on listening to Jesus. But it sounds like the relational dimension is actually um, um, I'm not sure if helpful is the right word or if encouraging is the right word or somewhere between the two. Uh, but there's something in that where you're you're feeling um, you're seeing something there that is yeah. speaking to you. Yeah, it's, uh, there are two tracks going for me. One is 
um, my understanding of discipleship is um, being refined through the um, both the discipleized by scripture adaptation. I've seen things there that I appreciate for the discovery process and the um, the let's see I lost the thought that I was going to go to but the relational uh, side has actually um, significant relevance also and it's an area that I've given much less attention to um, or I guess I've given attention but it's been in a, a more academic context where I've read a lot and I've listened to a lot of things but I haven't um, actually seen it applied in what appears to be a much healthier way than I can recall in any other group context. So even though we're broken and, and stumbling forward, failing forward is a phrase from um, movements. Uh, I think um, it, it, I, what I see here looks healthier to me than anything I've previously been aware of. Wow, thank you. I feel deeply honored by that observation. And I, also, I agree with oh, you. I, I, Yeah, I also wanted to say that uh, in the, so your question, back to the question of what I'm getting out of the group, um, I, I have for myself uh, a clarity of what I now believe is the kernel of discipleship as ah, hearing okay. and following Jesus. Uh, I've been, I have the question formulated in my mind this morning, is there anything more fundamental to discipleship than hearing and following Jesus? And uh, I, I can't think of an answer. I'm interested to pose uh, that I have one for in. you. Okay. Well, uh, you want to go ahead and interject that now, if it's a kernel uh, that brief? Um, or is it, will you want to hold uh, it? No, and, because I don't know the word for it yet, so I cannot explain okay. it simply, or any words I use would probably be confusing. But yeah. I do have All an right. answer for that. Okay. So um, that's the, for, for me, that's been very helpful uh, yeah. to have that yeah. formulate. Um the the uh, the other thing the the seeing relational processes unfold from, with people who are committed to scripture have varying levels of connection to each other um it reinforces one observation i think i made to you that uh when the gospel draws together people who don't know each other well uh, the process of developing relationships is very consuming. It consumes much of the group's energy. Where it is, it's more contagious and more rapidly spreads more rapidly through uh, cultures when it, it penetrates existing groups than when it forms new groups. So I see I see that affirmed in the amount of time that we're absorbing with the relationships, um, and that's kind of just a side observation. So in terms of yeah, from the group, uh, at the same time I had not I I, I perceived my um, participation in the group as a um, an indefinite kind of a as a consultant in this area of discovery study. Uh, to first contribute whatever I could to uh, understanding that better 
that's I, that's how I understood your invitation. And then mm-hmm. uh, to a period of observing how this works out in practice with the weird, you know, Western and industrialized, et cetera, um, mm-hmm. culture, because I, I see that uh, discovery study is relatively stalled in weird cultures, um, where in, I don't know a good phrase for it, or I haven't thought of one. Traditional or, or no, no, traditional let, me, let, me, let me express the concept in, in among unreached or frontier people groups, uh, uh-huh. there is a there's a baseline that almost everybody's at of under of not understanding the gospel at all or not having much ah, okay. at all. Where in our right. culture it's quite varied, um, and that's that's the dimension that I think about mm. uh, more most often is uh, if you're in a context where you can approach everybody the same way because they all have the same basic perspective or perception that's very different from a culture like ours where everything is mixed up and you know whatever percentage so there's a homogeneity aspect yeah yeah homogeneity is the i think there's three things that are true of frontier cultures one is that they are not weird two is that Uh they are not evangelized and three is that they are homogenous yeah yep uh, so that that greatly affects the dynamics of movements and multiplications. The other thing I wanted to say, which I've been giving a long introduction to, is uh, just the appreciation I have for the quality of people that are in this group. Um, any one of and each of them, I would um, be delighted to you know, develop further friendship with and interact with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I David Johnson and I were just gonna. I, I didn't have any expectation of talking beyond an hour and we talked not just the first time but every time we've talked we've talked for four hours um, I can't I don't have time to do that with everybody but I could imagine that level of you know openness and freedom the the group appears to me to all be independent thinkers who are deeply committed to Jesus and scripture um, not trying to prove themselves right and force their view on others, but uh, very interested in learning from interaction. And so it's just uh, I've, I've I've never had the privilege since Caltech, I suppose. No, no, I mm. guess at, at the center at the center it was the same kind of people. It's since leaving the center in 2004 that leaving uh, I've really I've really yeah leaving Pasadena feeling starved for uh, this kind of high quality group and interaction. So I've, I've come to um, be very delighted to be part of the group. So when David describes it as failing, uh, I think to me it's succeeding wonderfully at um, carrying me forward and uh, bringing me into relationships that I value. And uh, it may not change the world, but uh, I see potential for the world to be changed by this if it catches on. Uh, so I I, um, I I conceded that uh, so far the group is not is failing to change the world, um, but it's changing me and I think it's changing us and uh, I think that's a good place to start. So I I have trouble with the label it's failing and his assertion yeah. is that that's because. Uh, I'm allergic to negativity, and I, I, we could 
we you and I can discuss that further. He and I can discuss that further. Yeah. But like, I don't mind anyway. the, the, yeah, I, the, the, I don't mind the label failing as long as it's like failing in a good way. Uh-huh. Right? Like it's failing in that like okay we are trying things that don't work and we're learning from them and that's a good failure. Yeah. Whereas failing for David, uh, failing forward. Well, I think he feels like we're failing backwards or failing downward. And yeah. There's yeah. a line that I thought was very revealing. That David, David, uh, with the title "Trainwreck." Yeah, I listened uh, to that. Yeah, this morning. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think David's fear is that it's train wrecks all the way down. Right. Is that if you just keep on going layer and layer, and that if we don't get control of this, it's just going to be a never-ending spiral of train wrecks. Well, I, I, I would. I can, I concur that if if we never if if all we ever do is focus on relationship, that um, we've lost something central in uh, the aspect of hearing and following Jesus, which bears fruit and multiplies and disciples and um, uh, in, you know I I my I I don't know if I voice this in the group, but what I'm looking for is to is patterns of group interaction that motivate and equip each participant to start additional groups as the spirit leads so that um, whatever dynamics are present in one context can transfer and this is how movements jesus movements spread among unreached and frontier people groups is people experience the presence and blessing of jesus in such a way that it motivates them to want to pass it on and it's attractive others desire it and it equips them with skills necessary to do that that's my larger expanded now, view of discipleship so the fascinating question for me is you contrasted that with focusing on relationships um well Really, focusing on relationships is is a part of experiencing the blessing of Jesus. But I've seen in the you know I mean the the history of small groups in North America, it doesn't is is largely uh, missing or deficient in being contagious. Um, uh, and the part of it is the the sense that we have something so precious um, that we we want to invite other people to it and the group grows beyond the size where it in in the process of growing in size it loses what was precious um, and may either it stays the same size and doesn't uh, you know it just became just remains a fellowship um, or it grows to the place where that's lost and you end up with the larger congregation where you have people streaming in and out, but um, not getting the same value that they that happens in a tight-knit group where people are actually working through relational issues. Or um, people don't feel they have the skills to replicate uh, what they've experienced in this group in another group or they lack the, the, the confidence or the confidence. Did I clarify what you were asking? Uh, no, but I think it clarified where we are thinking about this differently. So from my perspective, and this is probably also overstating it, but 
the issue is not that we're focusing on relationships, but we're not focusing on relationships the right way. Is that we need to reframe the way that we relate. And if we did that, that would uh, get the stuff you want. So it's not, I think that in some sense, it's all about relationships, right? Our relationship to each other, our relationship to Jesus, our relationship to those outside, uh, et cetera. And I think that's the right thing to focus on, but how we do that can end up in a variety of different failure modes, right? Where we become too insular, where we become too outward focused or et cetera. But I, I don't think uh, I don't think there's I don't think there's an answer a substantial answer. I mean, there's technical answers, uh, but I don't think there's a substantial answer that is about anything other than relationships. Um, well, I go back to my kernel: hearing and following Jesus. His okay, so we should go. Peter, so we should go there, not, right? Not, yeah, not not his first words to Peter, but his call to Peter was, "Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men." And this this joining Jesus in what he's doing, uh, I've recently, it's recently become clear to me that there's a, I've lived for 40 years focused on doing everything I can for Jesus. Um, and that that now I see that that's not the same as hearing Jesus uh, say, for example, cast your net on the right side of the boat and following him and working with him, that working, doing things for him is not the same as doing things with him. So, right. um, uh, but I have a, I have a deep uh, concern about uh, anything that doesn't result in carrying the blessing to others and fishing for men, that somehow we've missed a part of what Jesus is saying to us. We're not hearing all that he's saying to us. If we were, you know, if, if the rest of the Great Reset just focuses on resolving misunderstandings between group members um, and we lose the opportunity to practice and develop uh, skills, competence, confidence, and motivation for multiplying that blessing in other contexts where we have relationships. Right. Uh, so maybe I'm so, saying the same thing in different words, but it sounds yeah, different. Maybe, yeah, but, but, but I think there's a, there's a, right. I mean, the, 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 the thing that I'm excited about is precisely that we are digging, the hole is so deep mm-hmm. that I am hopeful that, well, the two things. One, I think the hole is deep enough that if we figure out something that will help us, it will have broader applicability. The second the is whole, that the whole are you saying the whole, the whole in the whole relationships or the whole yeah. in the whole world? Um, the the hole that we are digging, like 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 uh-huh. you know, I said, you know, telling someone like I asked this disciple, which is full of the most amazing, godly, devoted, knowledgeable, uh, committed, uh, prayerful followers of Jesus that you know I probably ever met. Yeah. And we are driving each other completely crazy. Okay, so, uh, right? you like, know, da- da- David used the, everybody in the group thinks this. I've heard Janet, uh, I heard Bill say everybody hates me. Um, I have trouble with everybody, ev- all these characterizations, 
because all of them seem to me to not be something I can own. And you actually reacted to something Janet said, um, I think it was, or I don't know, there are too many conversations to keep track, but um, I, I don't think that we're all having that same experience you're describing. Yeah. I, I don't feel yeah. like I have tensions with anybody in the group. Uh, I don't feel right. like... It's it's like yeah, but I like, you know, you yeah, uh, and I'm not saying that, like, everyone feels hurt, but, like, uh-huh. we're all acting in ways that mystify and frustrate each other. Like, you don't understand why David thinks everyone thinks it's a failure. Um, and so, you know, you may not be reacting emotionally, which is interesting and possibly a good thing. Uh, but, right, well, I'm reacting to the we all. So when you say we're all acting in ways that mystify each other, again, I... You know, I test that with myself and say, um, I don't know that anybody's feeling mystified about me. If they are, I'd be interested. I mean, I mean, like, 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 David cannot believe that you don't think it's a failure. Oh, right, right. But that's not He's mystified by you. Uh, no, but you said, yeah, not like, not like, it's not like uh, factorial relationships are all equally stressed. Yeah, maybe I just am allergic to the you know, everybody. Yeah, fair, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it was, like, it was, yeah. It was a, uh, a, uh, a, a overgeneralization. Okay. But it is hard to find a significant relation, a significant connection where people think, yes, we totally understand each other and in perfect alignment about the issues right. that are at stake here. Yeah, which is... We still haven't sorted out what discipleship is. Uh, or or even, even if that's the question we should be asking. That. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think, all right, are you done? Uh, well, I was just going to say that I, I think I am overcommitted to precision, and that becomes distracting <laughs> and, and destructive. Uh, so maybe that's the way that I contribute to the confusion. All right. <laughs> I'll let you proceed. All right. Yeah, so here's the, uh, so I think the interesting way to start is with uh, your initial question about whether you did something that hurt me. Yes. And so I was having this conversation with Janet, um, I guess it have been during a Tuesday, boy, these, all these conversations blur together after a while. Um, but yeah, the conversation on Tuesday, we were processing with Janet, and you said, well, I agree with you, Janet, that, you know, if this group was not scriptural, I would also leave, or something along those lines. Yeah, the foundation and, works. Sure. Yeah. Right, yeah. And so, it's probably sure something other than scripture. And while I, I think I understood and even appreciated that, like, you were trying to uh, identify with Janet and right. say, like, yeah, I can understand why you would feel this is repugnant and mm-hmm. why... Um, but I don't think that's the case um, right. as a way to reassure her. Um, yeah. There was um, and like, I think I understood the intent as a generous one. Uh-huh. Uh, it's still um, um What's what's trying to say? It made me feel that you didn't get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't get the thing that I was uh, trying to say, 
And in some ways, it actually complicated matters for me. Uh, now, in other it. ways, it helped in that, like, I could right. say, oh, you know, Robbie, I, I could include you in this process. And yeah. therefore, that would give Janet something to observe externally to do that. So like everything else, it wasn't a, uh, I wish you hadn't done it. Right. But it was a yeah. emotional uh, thing. And also... Part it also partly is the pure drama of you complaining that you never done anything that hurt me, and so I felt like yeah, yeah, yeah. feel left out. Um, but it's still actually interesting to talk about um, why I uh, did not experience that as supportive. Uh, uh, so, yeah, so, uh, which I which I think was actually your intent to be supportive. Right. So before I I want to validate what I hear you saying that, um, yeah. that uh, you, under, you understood or at least understand now that I was seeking to validate um, Janet and to affirm her. So that was what I was focused on. I, was, I wasn't thinking about you and how you might feel about the statement. And so I've yeah. actually, when, what David talked about, I accidentally hurt, hurt you rather than intentionally. Um, so I have to work harder at that. Um, no, I, yeah. Okay. So I think I, I, and I, I felt like we were resolved in the exchange and I, I think I understood then in the context, what you were, what you've uh, reviewed now. Um, is there anything residual from that or what, and whatever else you'd like to go into? From that? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. And I didn't like, but it's actually, yeah. given the other issues we have talked about that I want to talk about, it's actually worth going into more detail on this. Okay. I think it would help you understand where I'm coming from. Um, uh-huh. So the first one we already discussed was that the, um, and this is my new favorite word, which may become the episode title, which is abjection. I missed the whole last. I missed the whole last sentence. So somehow it got oh, fuzzy. The sound. Yeah, okay. Is that uh, the first thing? Is this word that I've been using? I think I may have brought it up uh, somewhere. But it's kind of my objection. A B J E C T I O N. And this so idea is the desire to separate ourselves from something. Okay. And um, and that like that. You know, uh, when you were validating that desire with Janet, like that was the very thing that hurt uh-huh. with Janet, right? And like, that's the main thing in my relationship is, is this. And so I've been thinking about that a lot. And it's not yeah. that I'm saying it was wrong, I'm saying that it hurt. Yeah. Uh, and so the, that's one point. The second thing, which is kind of a minor one, but it's probably worth thinking about, is this. Uh, foundation of scripture has started to rub me the wrong way because it okay. feels like uh, a very Protestant sort of thing to say. Yeah. Before and, we go too far uh, into that, sorry. Before to go before we go too far into that, it just strikes me that I think I was actually dishonest in what I said to Janet in my efforts to. Uh, validate what she was saying uh, because I don't, I, I mean, I'm drawn to resolve disagreement and conflict. I don't, I, 
I, I it's just not in my character to say this uh, I disagree with this and so I would leave particularly over uh, differences of interpretation of scripture and uh, particularly with my knowledge of you and our long history so I, I you know in retrospect I think I was saying what I believed was helpful to the group to affirm Janet so that she could feel not emotionally alone in that context for processing this. But I, I don't think, uh, I don't think it was really honest of me to say that I would leave the game if, if it, uh, I mean, given, given the context and the history, I wouldn't yeah. join a group where, you know, it's opposed to scripture. And I even went on with Janet, if there's somebody in the group who has unscriptural views is different from the foundation of the group. But, yeah. um, uh, you know, it's it's more complicated than uh, yeah. face value. But you know, yeah. So thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that vulnerability. And I think it's fascinating yeah. is that you had a genuine desire to affirm <laughs> Janet's feelings, but right. you did that by expressing agreement with her ideas. And it was it, it it wasn't entirely honest, but I wasn't conscious at the time that it wasn't entirely honest. I felt honest in what oh. I said at the time. Ooh. Which makes it even more complicated, right? Yeah, well, actually, makes it that that fits. Actually, I missed that last. That what? It fits. That that's, okay. that uh, observation fits. Let me go to your and, other question. Okay. Well, but but actually, well, well, before we leave that. I grew up in a home where saying the wrong thing wasn't safe, and I am conditioned to say what I think will diffuse tension ahead of evaluating Ooh. what's really honest. And so I think uh, that I live uh, being not as honest as might be helpful. It, it solves some problems at some levels, but creates other problems that uh, maybe are harder to solve. So um, this is just a moment of awareness. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is, this is really good. This is exactly uh, where I was hoping to go with this. Okay. Uh, so, um, first of all, I'm just pausing because I think this is a holy moment to just acknowledge that pain and not wanting to rush into explanation. Yeah. Um, um, I guess the best I could say, Robbie, is I feel you. I mean, I did not have nearly the extent of uh, of trauma that you experienced growing up, but I also, um, in a much more subtle way, in a much more conscious, more at least superficially loving way, grew up not feeling safe with my own emotions uh -huh. and learning how to emulate uh, humanity in order to be able to function in society. Right. Um, and so to this extent, I actually really sympathize with David's obsession uh, with authenticity. Right. I believe that is a root of, it will be put this way. Um, a lack of authenticity is the root of most of our problems and uh -huh. an excess of unhealthy authenticity is the source of the rest of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's, it captures that's, our group. It's like, okay, we don't say what we mean, uh, but then we say what we feel, and uh -huh. that causes other problems. So, um, so yeah. Um, all right. 
so, um, and, you know, the, what is the word? Magnanimous means to be focused on big things and little things as they affect big things. And like you, I, I tend to have an obsession over precision, and sometimes it's just annoying, but occasionally it's extremely useful. Right. And what was interesting to me is you used uh, your two words, knowing and following Jesus, or hearing and following Jesus. Hearing and following yeah, that's right. from and John 10. Yeah. come into focus um, for me. Yeah, yeah. And, and like the the interesting thing to me mm-hmm. is I think you could make a really solid case that the disciples actually heard Jesus and actually followed him throughout the Gospels. Yeah. Right? They heard everything he said, and they followed him everywhere, except... Uh, uh-huh. Excluding John to the cross, right? And so this has been my uh, critique of the word Jesus follower, which has come up a few times in the Great Reset, and we included uh-huh. it in our vision statement. But I don't like that word because it's vague, right? There's disciples who followed him, except to the cross. There's the crowds right. that followed him for the food. There's the Pharisees who mm-hmm. followed him to pick fights. Right? right? It's like just following Jesus doesn't really um, capture something. But there is a word that you used, which I really liked, which I think you intended as a synonym, but maybe is, I think is worth elevating to a stronger position, which is being connected to Jesus. I don't I remember using the word connected. I do remember with verses four. Yeah, and we I can check the transcript later. You, you, you listed various ways people, I mean, I'm not opposed to, I don't disagree with the word. Well, I, I, I have to work through with the connected, but uh, just as you're listing groups that were following Jesus, um, my observation is that I and many I know, but myself over the last 40 years, have looked at following Jesus as reading scripture and praying and, and receiving counsel to figure out what God wants and to make it happen by my mm-hmm. efforts, uh, do it, that's my expanded way of saying doing things for God, doing everything I can for God. Um, mm-hmm. And con- con- recently coming to the conviction that that is, uh, well, I, I felt like he has actually said this to me. That's not bad, Robbie, but that's not the same as being led by the Holy Spirit. And that's not what I didn't die for you just to do everything you can for me. I died to have right. intimacy with you and out of which we do things together. So that's for me, it, right. it, there's a huge shift of very, something very foundational inside this past year. Yeah. So I think I agree with that shift, but I disagree with the, or I find the way that you have characterized that as incomplete. Okay. Very interested in, in the rest of that then. Okay, so this what is the time to finally get to, to the kernel. Yep. Again, yep. I think it's implicit, it's probably implicit in what you've been saying, but I think it's really important to make it explicit, uh, okay. which is this idea of with Jesus or connection uh, or intimacy. Right. Right. Yep. And that's why I've been trying to push this phrase uh, with very little success of Jesus lover as opposed to a uh, Jesus follower. Uh-huh. Um, and there, the, it's interesting, I mean, uh, I don't know if David was being snarky or not, but he said, well, I think I'm okay being friends with Jesus. I'm not sure if I want to be his lover. 
yeah, okay. and so that'll be an interesting conversation I can follow up with them later on. But to me, uh-huh. it's critical. Um, and in fact, it gets very close to this uh, study we did two or three times uh, at the end of uh, the gospel. I guess I forget which one it was, but where Jesus, uh, you know, asked Peter three times, "Do you love me?" Or right. "Do you love me?" And Peter says, "I like you." And Jesus says, "Do you love me?" And Peter says, "I like you." And then Jesus says, "Do you like me?" And Peter's hurt. He says, "Of course, you know I like you." But you know, I yeah. think that's uh, that's a good um, cleavage point. Which is, do we like Jesus or do we love him? Do we enjoy Jesus for the things that we get out of him? Are we so closely identified with him that we are willing to sacrifice those other things just for the sake of being with him? And that to me is the thing, is the... uh, it is the thing that is the opposite of abjection. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess communion is probably the closest word I could think of, um, even though it's got lots of connotations which make that uh, challenging. But the idea right. of being brought into unity with Jesus and you know, in the Pauline sense of uh, rejoicing in the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings in order to attain the resurrection from the dead. And that is the thing that, other than John, the disciples did not understand before the cross, even though they heard everything, even though they followed him uh, almost everywhere. uh, They still hadn't made that transition from like to love, if you will. So the way you described it, um, the one place I kind of got stuck on, was it seemed like there was more emphasis on sacrifice than um, I, I, I don't know how to say this without sounding derogatory in a way I don't intend to sound. Um, sure, that's fine. Uh, in, in Hebrews, uh, it says we fix on our, our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And I want to make sure the focus is more on Jesus and pursuit of him than on what we sacrifice to make that happen. So the sacrifice is secondary, not primary, not how much we sacrifice, but how how much we're drawn to Jesus and how that lets, that um, frees us from attachment to other things that we let go of. So that it's, a a friend I was saying was caring for his uh, uh, mother-in-law with dementia and he was written on a slip of paper where there's love there's no labor or sacrifice. So that uh, for the person outside observing, it looks like we make a sacrifice. But living in it, it's not a sacrifice to let go of something you no longer care about because your love for Jesus is deeper and richer. But you follow what I'm saying? Uh, yes, but as far as I can tell, we can check the transcript later, I never use the word sacrifice. I heard I'm the really word curious how you. Yeah, I I thought I heard the word sacrifice, but... um. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, The word, uh, and it's possible I said it without thinking, um, but it's fascinating because uh, we have discovered in these things that we often hear something different uh, or say something Mm -hmm. different than we intended. Uh, The word I was trying to... The word I I know I did use was suffering. Mm 
Okay. And um, entering into the sufferings of Jesus. Yeah. And so, you yeah, know, well, so, you, you also so, quoted the, the passage, yeah, where we share in a Right. And, and, so, so, yeah, like, so to me, uh, sacrifice is not the issue. So I, I don't know why I brought it up or, or why I said it or uh, why you heard it. Okay. Right. The issue is that um, with Jesus, uh, time check is 1059. I want to look this up sometime later and see uh, what I actually said. Um, but the issue is that, right, is that to be united with Jesus is not just being united with the good parts. It's being united with his sufferings. Yep. And, you know, this idea of first love from revelations, from our revelationary husbanding study that we did. And yep. that that may require sacrifice sometimes, just like, you know, we sacrifice our hobbies to spend time with our wives. But it's not really a sacrifice in the negative sense. In mm-hmm. some ways, it's a sacrifice in the positive sense. Is that it is an offering we give up that is, in fact, uh, a joy and a delight because we are able to use it to express the depths of our love and to yeah. manifest the depths of our love. And yeah. that idea of, of union and communion with Christ is the thing. And what's interesting mm-hmm. to me um given what you very uh honestly have shared and frankly also i think some of the the friction points in our relationship uh on both sides so i believe the greatest barrier to my relationship with jesus is my relationship to myself is that there are parts of myself that i have abjected uh, because, uh-huh. like, you know, these emotions are not safe. Um, yeah. These truths are not uh, conceivable. And it's those things that are these little uh, vacuoles inside my uh, my psyche. Uh, orphans, they're called in the heart sink terminology. Uh, those are uh-huh. parts of me that have not met Jesus. Right. And those are also the areas where I do not treat other people with grace. Because I'm not even treating myself with grace. Uh, there was a, a period of time where I was having this argument uh, with, with a part of myself. This is one of the things that uh, I do a heart sink like practice involves talking to these different parts of myself. And part of myself was complaining, you know, yeah, I don't feel loved. I don't feel accepted. I don't feel like uh, I'm good enough. And I said to myself, oh, I'm sorry that you feel that Sunday I treat you that way. He goes, no, I was talking about you. Uh-huh. And it's like, ooh, you know, it's easy to externalize onto other people the things they do. Um, And I think we've had a fair uh, demonstration of that over this last season or two in the Great Reset. And the reality is that, well, actually, the reason it hurts, I mean, there's always, there's still pain, even in in Jesus felt pain, right? But the reason that it's a, a wound, let's say, that doesn't heal is because that that part of ourselves is unevangelized. It hasn't encountered Jesus. It hasn't been through the cross. It hasn't seen resurrection. And that uh, practice, uh, that's that's why I said to me, it's all relationships. It really is. You know, if I learn, I, I pursue communion with Christ. That is the thing that we want to do. 
And to me, that is why we hear and follow Jesus. And that as we do that, you know, or as I do that, certainly, I discover that I pull away. I pull away from Jesus. I pull away from scripture. I pull away from other people. I pull away from myself because it hurts. And I don't know how to deal with it. And the practice of, uh, of going to the cross, uh, both Jesus, I'm uh, sorry, both Steve and Janet, funny that I said Jesus, um, both Steve and Janet, uh, I got to that place with them. I was like, hey, we just got to meet at the foot of the cross. Right. That is the one place where uh, all of our ego and shame and frustration and anger, which is all real, but it's mm-hmm. not as real as the cross. We let yeah. go of that, and then we can accept ourselves. We can accept, and so I like that's why I feel like you know, if we just get that relational complex right, that is how we love our neighbor. That is how we have extraordinary stories that we can share. That is how we release grace into our marriages. Like it's all relational in a sense, um, but it's not the superficial. Uh, just how do I feel about this person now? Uh-huh. So I'm I'm hearing all your words, and I'm not um, finding anything that I disagree with, but I'm also not connecting with it in the experiential sense of, oh yeah, I that I can see where that matches up with my experiences. I'm in a interesting state now where my perception is that I've. Uh, you, you and David had the exchange about him not wanting to hurt you unintentionally. And, uh, <laughs> um, and uh, I, I think there's such a history in my marriage of my wife feeling hurt, not only unintentionally, but without my uh, awareness and without my uh, opportunity or ability to perceive how, how I've done it and why I've done it, such that it, in the group I'm observing a dynamic where when somebody feels troubled, we're able to process it. But in our home, my stumbling efforts toward uh, saying, I feel troubled about this, can we talk about it, seem to make things worse rather than better. And mm-hmm. um, I, you know, the, 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 for me, the terms you're talking in are vague enough. I don't feel like I can fit them together. Not that they conflict with, just I don't. Uh, they're they're independent or disconnected for me from my. Um, so I'm I I take you know I find satisfaction and delight in giving Jackie space when she asks for that and um, trying to trying to live up to areas that she does express that she'd like me to do something different. Um, but, uh, um, somehow it's not, I, I believe that God intends something richer for our household relationships than we're currently experiencing. But my efforts to move toward that richness create issues for her that I don't understand that, uh, so it seems like all my initiative is counterproductive. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Robbie, I feel your pain. Okay. Yeah. I, I think we feel your pain. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, but let me, but this is the precise point I was going to make is that 
Um, I had a dream a week or two ago uh, where I felt like there was this thing where like, I'm doing something that's bothering my wife, but I can't get her to explain it to me and I can't understand it without her help enough to stop doing it. So I don't know what it is. Um, right. And I don't know how much of it is her or me or whatever. Um, right. And so I was feeling kind of stuck. And the dream guy basically said, um, and my pastor kind of seconded it, which was that, take care of my bride and I will take care of yours. Mm -hmm. And the, when I said release grace to my wife, it actually really meant that in the sense of release is that I don't know mm -hmm. what her issues are. And at this point, actually, mm -hmm. I don't care because God has made mm -hmm. it clear that that is not my problem. What is clear yeah. though, and this is where we talked about type two versus type three uh, reconciliation, why I objected to your version which is where we just listen to and obey God and don't get into conflict. Uh, uh, it's like, well, you know, I, I find that less useful. What I find more useful is something happens and I am hurt. And I mm -hmm. actually realize there is a part of myself that is actually really angry and really frustrated um, and even hates uh, the person that I love. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, so I can't do anything about the other person, but I can do something about this, this part, this vacuole in myself, which is experiencing this pain and this frustration. Uh, and if I can learn how to make peace with that by introducing Christ, very similar to the, uh, I've heard the general term Emmanuel encounter for the practice you led us through is inviting Jesus into a situation. Yeah, I ran across um, that recently, and it seemed very similar to what Jamie Winship. Yeah, it, 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 annoy, it annoys me professionally that there's all these people working on similar things, and they've never gotten yeah. together to agree on common terminology and and problem statements. Um, well, yeah, uh, I don't I don't know yeah. that these two streams are even aware of each other. Um, yeah, I just have to uh, maybe that is maybe. maybe. Maybe it often happens when I find something that Jesus said, when I complain about like uh, something not happening that seems obvious in Jesus as well. Maybe that's why, maybe I literally left that open so you have the opportunity to, to fix it. I says, why can't we fix it? He goes, because you're not mature enough yet. It's like, okay, well. Yeah. It is also true that busy people who have an effective ministry tend to get so focused in what they're doing that they're not interested in the cross pollinization but I see which is, which is the same. Stirring, stirring the fact, no, but in fact this is the very point is that the way you yep. build a successful thriving ministry is abjecting anything that isn't right. aligned with it because if you don't it just yep. collapses in the early stages the problem is precisely yep. that the abjection that got us here is the very thing that keeps us from going further and so like I've actually taken this quite literally. It's like if I uh, do the hard work, uh, which uh -huh. I haven't fully done yet. I've started on it, but it, it, it's taken. Uh, you know, like, Why? It's taking longer. Usually, I sit down with one session and I work it out. Uh, but this time, it's like I got halfway through and I got stuck. It's like okay, uh, I'm just gonna trust the best. I need to be stuck for a while to to, uh, to feel this, and possibly so you and I can have this conversation where we're both stuck. Uh, and I can identify with you in that and say, okay, 
So, yeah, let me just yeah, yeah. So, for me, what it literally means is that, okay, I just need to do the work of being reconciled to myself and being reconciled to Jesus. And then, uh, uh, either some combination of psychological shifts within me that subconsciously changed my posture towards my wife and impact our relationship, and supernatural yeah. manifestations of God's grace to her to help her gain awareness of either her issues or mine, uh, that God will accomplish the thing that I most want. And that's what I mean by releasing grace. It's like precisely that if I can deal with my own woundedness that is blocking my relationship with myself and my relationship with Jesus, then he will take care of all the things that I can't do anything about. So um, uh, the, the one point I would um, tweak slightly, I, I think my experience was similar to going back to what I said earlier about uh, the shift from working for God to working with him in connection and relationship. Um, mm -hmm. in, the, in, in the prior, while I was in the working for God perspective for up until this year, I have... Um, pursued the resolution of my sense that our house dynamics are not experiencing the fullness God desires by trying my own, by trying on my own to figure not well not not consciously on my own but feeling responsible myself to figure things out and make things happen and that okay. includes analysis and trying to identify what needs to change in me and work on that and trying to identify what needs to change in my wife and encourage her in that direction. And the shift has been to, okay, I, I, I perceive that things are not what they should be. Uh, so now my solution is to go and try and listen to Jesus and for what direction he's going to give me about where to throw the net on the right side of the boat or to uh, go ahead and, you know, I mean, he, he, to, to, to follow him in this it means first to get some direction from him. And I, I've, I've, I think there's a, well, anyway, so um, now instead of trying to, and analyze, which is an area of, I feel stronger in, um, I, in a detached way. Uh, but you, you used the phrase that I was going to say. The one thing I would, I would, for personally experience, or I'm personally currently experiencing differently. You said to do the hard work of reconciling with yourself. Um, mm -hmm. I'm feeling, I'm feeling drawn at this, in this moment, in this experience to just uh, reconcile with Jesus and listen to him. And if he shows me some area of myself I need to reconcile with that, that comes out of hearing him speak to me about that, that's different from me taking on the work uh, of reconciling with my wife or with myself. Um, but it's in listening to him that I receive direction about how to, what, what needs to be reconciled and how. Uh, you see the subtle difference? Yeah, no, I, I think there's there. And, and there's a, um, let me try this other phrase. Okay. Which is, uh, 
uh, reconciling yourself to Jesus. Uh-huh. And, and, and I mean, you know, and this is a murky area in the terminology and the practice is still murky and still muddy. Uh, so here's a couple of things that I've noticed. Just as sort of data point. One is that there are certain things that I will later discover Jesus has been saying to me for a long time that I was not able to hear because I have a deaf right. spot or a blind spot. Okay? So just listening to Jesus by itself is not sufficient. Yes. Uh, because that, that has certain values. The second thing is that um, I was thinking, like, is there anything actually that we have to do? Because it feels like everything's up to God. But I think there's at least one thing that we actually have to do, which is, I think David says, I have, I have quieted my soul. Did we lose you? Still there? Testing one, two, three. Hello. Sorry about that. I accidentally pressed the hang up button. Um, yeah, so I've done the that one a couple thing of times. Have, you said the one thing we have to do, and then I lost everything after that. Yep. <laughs> um, I think in the Psalms, David says, I have quieted my soul. Uh-huh. And I have noticed yeah. that there's a lot of things you will do for me, but a lot of them um, uh, won't work until I take responsibility to quiet my soul. So I sit there and so, listening. Well, yes, but it, it, to me it's a very different thing. Or it's a very more, it's yeah, not it's, a simple thing. It's not just a posture, it's also a technique, actually. Okay. There is skill involved. And this is the, the, the skill that I have been trying to develop a practice of. Like, oh, my soul is not quiet. Like uh-huh. you talked about how you instinctively did this thing to speak a truth that would calm the situation. Like, huh, right. that's a part of your soul that is, that is disquieted. Yep. And I think that the practice to say, ah, let's not just hear what Jesus said about let's, and, and, you know, I use a variety of different techniques. Sometimes I talk to that part of my soul directly. Uh, sometimes uh-huh. I invite Jesus in to talk to that part of my soul. Um, okay. But the point is, is that um, the thing that is important, I think, is, is the posture towards myself to say, huh, this part of my soul is disquieted. And I don't know if you're like me, my natural instinct is to like uh, squish that part of my soul into conformance so it shuts up uh, because it's acting out and it's disquieted. Um, right. And I need to reverse that posture away from abjection to communion, okay. I guess. Yeah. And, um, commu- and, and, and create and commune with Jesus and that part of my soul together. And that is where, um, I feel like this, this forming of Jesus, um, takes place, which, you know, I think was actually what the, the primitive church, why the primitive church obsessed over communion so much. So let me um, let me ask this ask a question this way. Um, is it maybe maybe it's okay? Is it more universal that people need to be taught to quiet themselves 
so they can hear Jesus uh, adequately or, or well, or that um, people need to be taught to listen to Jesus, to hear from him uh, whether what they need to do and quieting themselves may be included. Um, which do we focus on if we were going to choose Neither. between the two? Okay. I reject that choice. People need to learn right. to become united with Jesus. That uh, is what they need to learn. You, we need to learn to enter into, we need to learn how to enter into a union with Jesus. And everything else, hearing Jesus, um, obeying Jesus, um, uh-huh. understanding ourselves, whatever, quieting ourselves, those are all techniques for the purpose of being united with Jesus as he is with the father. Like that's the goal is to learn that. And what we can teach is an interesting question. <laughs> um, well, so the, the, the difficulty I have with that is uh, at least my, my, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to object to it, but um, I'm stuck because I feel like Jesus has spoken to me very clearly through John 10, those two places where he repeats my sheep hear my voice and follow me and the Hebrews passage fixing our eyes on Jesus. Um, so I have a scriptural basis that pops readily to mind for the listening to Jesus and looking to Jesus. Um, yeah. For the reconciling to Jesus, the verses just don't pop to my mind because they haven't, Jesus hasn't spoken to me, spoken them to me the same way. Uh, but I'm guessing there may be passages for you out of which God spoke to you about the reconciling to Jesus, and I'm just curious what those are. Um, I find this amusing because this was precisely okay. the issue we were kind of discussing with Janet last Tuesday. Um, and it's like, well, uh, what you are saying is not inconsistent with my beliefs, right? It's like, okay. well, actually, the part yeah. of you, the conscious part of you that is able to hear Jesus well. Uh, resonates strongly with those passages, and I totally buy that. Um, yeah. And the, the passages that I have, that, that like I feel like, you know, Father may they be one, as, as you and I are one, that, I'm not saying it resonates strongly, but that like captures the heart of Jesus as I experience him. Yeah, okay. As, so that's and the, the practices passage. that I am, right? But, but it, it's not like, but it wasn't a passage that got me here. Uh-huh. That's the thing. What got me here but, was a broken heart. Okay. And the encounter I had that was kind of the pivot point for me was precisely um actually it's it's it, it, let me well, let me just wrap on this because you know, get on back to the family, I think you probably do too. Yeah. When I was you going know, through, uh, can I finish? Well, let me, let me just add the, uh, a while back we texted, you know, how would I summarize? And I said communion with uh, God in, um, no, oneness with God. This is, this, I think, the same word you just used, oneness with God mm-hmm. in communion and commission. That um, the the passage you're talking about uh, may they be oneness, we are one, 
that God wants us to be one with him, a part, a, even part of the Trinity, in a sense, not equal. But anyway, that would be, uh, sounds radical if taken out of context. But the um, oneness with God in communion and fellowship with him and one another and in commission, His, his he came to seek and to save that which is lost to uh, disciple all nations to all of that and we can't we can't miss out on either of those. This seemed to me to be both absolutely essential and the oneness with God. So I, I think that I they, I do at times think in the same framework, although I'd forgotten about that exchange from a week or two ago. Um, because for me the the listening to Jesus has been so dominant in what he's I feel he's speaking to me about. Okay. Right. Yeah. But, final but, word. Yeah. Final word for you. Okay. Let me let, let, let me get the last word in here. So. Um, So I can see the value of distinguishing between communion and commission. Uh, I Uh do not. I see the universe as embedded within God himself. And so to be in communion with God is to be in communion with everything that he is doing in the universe to the limits of my capacity, which I'm continuing to grow. So communion with God is not uh, anything other, is not other than loving my neighbor or loving my wife or loving myself. All of that is different in my experience and my framing. It's it's different facets of communion with God. Would you accept communion with God, including his commission? I mean, uh, that's the literal literal words. So, so Robbie, um, I can see how that would logically make sense. Uh-huh. I don't know if I uh, fully understand or agree with why you feel the need to make that distinction. I just want to leave it at that. That's why I'm not saying I'm going to like condone it. I'm not going to criticize yeah. it, but I'm not going to necessarily condone it because I'm not sure why you feel the need to make that okay. distinction. And, yeah. you know, it, it could perfectly be fine. I know there are legitimate reasons to do it. I just don't know which ones are actually yours. Um, so yeah. well, my one, larger point was, sentence, oh, in one sentence, it would be historically, there's been emphasis using the language of communion that misses out on that commission. Um, but I, I, I like your phrasing yeah, that no, no. God is everywhere and, uh, and uh, the communion with him and everything that he's concerned about, um, maybe oh, yeah, instead and, and, of. Yeah. Yeah, and you know that's yeah. that's a fair point, and, and I think the the issue is that we have that actually almost by definition, and why it's been such a, a, a that's why I'm not like saying it's not the ideal word, it's the closer like closer, is that often communion requires being a, it, abjection, right? Communion is defined uh-huh. precisely by those who are excluded. Uh, uh-huh. The whole idea of a of a bounded set, and you know that is deeply problematic, even though it's understandable and perhaps even justified. Right. So yeah. So yeah, fair point. Um, but even given that, uh, the commission, uh, by the same token, the way commission is used, uh, also has that same us versus them insider outsider viewpoint. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah. is equally problematic for me. So. Yep. But let me just get to, let me show the point. The the thing that actually okay. made a difference for me was uh, my counselor, pastor, same one actually I talked to a couple weeks ago about the Bride of Christ, was that, uh, you know, I had some addiction issues and he had me doing some journaling and writing a letter to your, pa- your 
your younger self, apparently it's just the standard technique. And that was uh-huh. like gangbusters. And I had a whole series of dialogues um, with different parts of myself and mostly just dealing with an enormous amount of pain, you know, over the course of years. Uh-huh. Um, but the thing that actually made the difference, uh, the Bible passage that spoke to me in a transformational way was I was reading the story of Lazarus. And when I was reading it, I was just um, deeply offended by the way Jesus treated Mary and Martha. It's like, uh. he knew Lazarus was dying. He knew it would break their heart. And he said, I'm going to stay away three days. Like, uh-huh. And then he shows up and makes these weird cryptic statements to Mary and Martha. And to me, it yeah. just felt like this is exactly what it feels like to follow Jesus. Is he puts all these pearls in front of me? He makes all these cryptic statements. I don't understand it. I don't know what's going on. And he's just playing these little manipulative games to force me to jump through all these hoops. And if I just succeed, I just get a harder, more difficult hurdle. And then we get to the tomb. And the verse that spoke to me was Jesus wept. And it just turned my entire worldview inside out. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I saw, the way I put it, and I don't know or particularly care whether this is theologically correct, but what Jesus experienced for me on that cross on Good Friday, God the Father has been doing for me and all creation for all of eternity, is uh-huh. that he feels my pain far deeper than I ever have. Yeah. And that knowledge that God was so deeply identified with me, that he was not abjecting me the way that my right. teachers and trainers and often parents have, like, okay, you must jump through this hoop because I want you to be better to reduce my anxiety. Uh-huh. But that I... I'm with you. I am connected to you at this deep, fundamental level. And that what I do to you, I do to myself so that I can be reconciled to myself. That um, encounter, uh-huh. uh, and uh, I'm, using, I'm explaining it now using language I've developed in the subsequent years, but at the time I didn't have any of this language. I right. just had an encounter that transformed my relationship with God and my relationship with myself. That in itself did not cure the addiction. There were many other steps after that. Um, Uh But that was a turning point for where I felt like I was fighting God because I was angry at God to where Mm. I really felt like God wants the same thing I want. Uh So that is my answer to your question of what scripture speaks to me. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. A, it wasn't even a. There was nothing to learn. There was nothing to obey. It was just a transformational encounter with a reality that um, it was like being born again. Mm-hmm. So, and I think I will leave you with that. All right. I'll bless you, brother. Uh, let me just pray. Father, I thank you for Please. Ernie and for his role in uh, launching this great reset and for serving it. 
And uh, for the others that you've gathered around him, we thank you that you're, it's your initiative and all these things. We, um, we ask that out of what you're doing among us in the Great Reset, that you would also um, lead us in how that can uh, reshape the dynamics in our households and how we can, Ernie and I can learn to love our lives more fully, more deeply, more uh, sacrificially, more in line with your nature and character. Um, God, I, I so long for our households to uh, reflect the glory and the blessing of your presence um, so that they would, we, our, our homes, our households, our families would become evidence of your kingdom that would motivate us to um, move out and uh, into the world around us that's hurting and would attract others into your kingdom. So I uh, just uh, bless Ernie in your name with your grace and your presence and your love um, flowing through him and through his wife and his kids as they engage with one another today. In Jesus' name, in your name, for your sake we pray. Amen. Amen. Man, God, I just thank you for Robbie, for his faithfulness. I thank you especially for this uh, sort of second coming of our relationship uh, mm-hmm. in the Great Reset as we are uh, walking through each with each other uh, in so many areas. Lord, I thank you that you, you do speak to Robbie and you have spoken to him and you will continue to speak to him. And Lord, I guess the passage that is crying out to my heart is where you say that you have sheep of other uh, sheepfolds uh, and that you must draw them too. And I just mm-hmm. can't help but think that those are the orphans, uh, both in Robbie's hearts and in the world outside that he has such a passion for. And mm-hmm. uh, Lord, I pray that he would see what he can't yet hear mm-hmm. um, and trust in what he can't yet see. Mm-hmm. And that your love would break through to him and through him in new ways. Mm-hmm. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I think you were recording this. If you weren't, that's fine. But if you did and want to make it available, I'm happy to have... I I, I got an opportunity here with you to express my appreciation for the group. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's why I wanted to do the conference call. I think this is definitely worth recording. And uh, uh, yep. I'll try to look up that word sacrifice to see if... Uh, uh, if I said that or not, because it's one of the treats we get to do with this <laughs> online yeah, world. Sure, and sure. I'm so, you know, one of the great uh, joys of COVID-19 is I am as connected to you as I am to uh, David, right. Uh, right. who I've never met in person, uh, even though he's oh, in the okay. same physical space as uh, Bill and, and Janet and so forth. So it, it, it's exciting. There, there's something here that yeah. I think will, that will, uh, that will bear much fruit. All right. God bless you. Have a great uh, 2021. Thank you. You too.